Hello everyone, I am Kevin Mumphrey, and you're listening to the first ever episode of Talking Business with Kevin Mumphrey. And on this first episode, I thought it would be fitting to talk to one of the most successful business owners that I know personally. He goes by the name Chad Rowland, and he owns RTM Roofing. Chad started off by selling roofs, but in 2015 decided to build his own company from the ground up. In just a few years, has garnered quite a bit of success. Now, success for Chad and RTM Roofing was not easy, nor was it guaranteed. So take a listen as I talk business today with Chad Rowland. Hello, everyone. I am Kevin Mumphrey, and you are listening to the very first episode of Talking Business with Kevin Mumphrey. You always hear about the success stories about how a business starts and then suddenly it goes to rise and does great. But we wanted to know the little details in between to make that business a success. So I thought the first person I would like to talk to is probably one of the most successful business owners that I know is the owner of RTM Roofing, Chad Rowland. How are you doing today? Most successful. I'm doing great, but I, I, we'll have to talk about that after the show. I don't, I don't know about that, but yeah, no, doing great. How you doing, big man? Show number one, too, huh? Number one. I thought you'd be the perfect person to have my as my first guest. Oh, uh, you tricked me. I thought we were. I thought I was like number fifty or something. I didn't know I'm <laughs> kicking this thing off. A little pressure here now. Surprise. Yeah, surprise. Hey, no, so, doing great, buddy. How you doing? I am great. So, first question: What got you? What got you into roofing? <laughs> this is an hour long, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is about a four-day four day talk, maybe. Um, what got me into roofing? Well, I'd been a musician. I grew up on a farm first, and you're always doing construction, okay? You, all, you don't hire people to fix things. You fix things yourself on your farm, unless it's something that's beyond your capability. You know, like tractors break down that you can't fix, and you got to get a mechanic in to do it. But you're always doing construction, and then I, then I got the crazy wild hair to go to MTSU and join a band and tour for years. And, you know, touring doesn't make money. It does to some people. Most people, they just barely break even, you know. <laughs> exactly. And, or come in in the red. But I was always back doing construction from concrete to even roofing, sheetrock. I mean, I've done about everything in a building. And there's things I won't do now. I talk about that all the time. Um, I'm not I'm not laying brick anymore. I'm not going to hang sheetrock. You know, I hate painting. I like rolling, but I hate painting and or trimming, I should say. But long story short, in 07, I went back to school. I got tired of construction. Music was on the hiatus at the moment, and I was getting my wanted to get my degree. Finished my degree. I made a grand, my grandfather a promise I'd finish my degree. So the, the to get to the short part of this story, I end up getting out of graduating. And got offered an assistantship to do my master's and uh, did it in agricultural sciences and got out of there. And you know, luckily, by the grace of God, got out of that. And I, I called a buddy of mine, Dwayne Reed. And I said, hey, I said, you know everybody on the sun there? I've been looking at all these jobs. They're all, all out of state. You know, I've toured the country, but I live in Middle Tennessee. I'm not moving somewhere. My daughter was four or five years old at the time, and so I, I wouldn't go anywhere. I said, you know everybody on the sun, so, you know, help me out here. Just crack a door open. I can do anything, and, you know, I'll take it from there. And he goes, why don't you come over here and sell roofs for me? And I was like, (laughs) 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 sell a roof? Who needs a roof? You know, those things last 50 years or, you know, whatever. Whatever, you know, you know about it. And and, then getting to the shorter part of the story, after many years there, a few years there, it, it... I came out like a duck in water selling roofs. Uh, I, I sold more than the company did the first quarter the the year I was there than the first quarter of the previous year the whole company did. And um, then at one point, if I'm selling you something or getting you something, you're going to get what I'm saying and what I'm selling and so on and so forth. Because I just don't – I hate saying used car salesman. That's an old – Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, but everybody knows it, right? Everybody knows a used car salesman. They know what they do and how they do it. I don't do it that way. And if I tell you getting something, you're going to get it. And what I was selling started not to be happening. And to me, that's a, if I'm going to ruin my reputation, I'll do it myself. Uh, you know, because most people buy the people. You know, you buy, you yeah. buy your salesman. If you don't trust or, or like your salesman, you're not going to buy from him or salesperson, whatever, uh, that you're not going to buy from them because you don't like them unless you absolutely unequivocally have to have that. You're going to go somewhere else. And, so 
that's where it was sort of getting on my end that it was reflecting back to me, and I was doing everything correctly in my mind, and and uh, the previous company wasn't, and or just started missing things. Let me put it that way. They weren't they weren't a terrible company. It just wasn't up to the standards I was setting the expectations of my clients like it, I had done previously. Yeah. And I said, hey, if, if somebody's going to ruin my reputation, it's going to be me. And so I went out and started my own. And looking back now, it was one of the craziest things I ever did. I, I'd done many things in the past, started stuff, and some things fail. And or that, well, that nothing never fails. It, it only fails if you don't learn something from why you're no longer doing it. This is my viewpoint on that. And I started a greenhouse business at a farm, and I realized I had my one greenhouse that could produce about thirty-five thousand a year. But I was selling it, growing it, managing it, delivering it, you know, wore every hat there was. And I realized to hire somebody that was, would at least make 30 grand a year, 40 grand a year, whatever it may be, I needed 10 or 20 or 50 greenhouses. It's called scalability. And that didn't happen. Number one, I didn't have the money. I didn't position myself to be ready for that. I just was like, hey, I'm going to go grow basil and lettuce and all this other stuff and sell it to gourmet restaurants. And I did great at it. Until that's all you're doing 24-7 and just making 30 grand a year. And not that there's anything wrong with 30 grand a year, but in my situation, that wasn't going to cut it. I had to have more because of my family. And uh, the the and now the end of it is, is I've started RTM Roofing in, in 2015, and we're now six years and just turned six years old on October 15th, and still a debt-free company, and I mean, just blessed. It's it's crazy. It's but looking back now, I'm like, how the heck did I get here? Because it's and I know you got other questions. Because it's but looking back just from the last three years, the growth that we've had has been exponential. I mean, in 2018, uh, you know, we've finally broke seven digits. You know, after two years, which was good. You know, it's great. Well, we doubled in 2019. And, you know, if you double, it's not going from one to two. It's going from one to three because a true double is doubling that number and adding it back to the original number. And so then last year we went another seven digits above that. I didn't even find another 35 45%. And this year I'm about 45% below that because it's no fun being there. Okay, so, like, when you started, did you have, like, um, kind of – made your own, like, ideal of what success, like, that year would be? No, I just trying to survive. No, I didn't. I, I'm I'm probably the most atypical business starter, if you will. Now, don't get me wrong. I had my rough numbers. I already knew some things, but there was a lot I didn't know, and I've learned along the way. And, no, I, I didn't. And there will be people tell you, oh, that's crazy, that's crazy. And it, and it probably is. You know, luck's better than skill. You know, you've yeah. heard me say this until skill shows you how lucky you were. Well, that's what I found out looking back on some things that I did as far as not doing certain projections or, but I'm a cash flow guy because we're a debt-free company. So I wasn't worried about owing anybody money. I just worried about keeping money in the bank. And so that kind of reflect, I knew where I was always at based on how much was in my account and the payroll coming up Friday and how much I've sold. Cause I started out me being the only salesman and a gentleman named Rick James, uh, came with me to start, uh, or came over to me, he'd left his place and like, hey, I'll help you, and was my repair tech and field manager. So I knew what I was selling. I knew what I was paying out, and, hey, it was, it was floating. You know, that's half the battle. You know, we were in the green <laughs> or, or the black or, yeah, black or green. But, you know, at the end of the week, there was positive flow, cash flow and enough cuff payroll and expenses. Now let's get to next week. Okay, now, because usually when people think of roofs, they don't think to get their roof checked or mm-hmm. they probably don't think about their roof at all until something starts leaking. That's right. So how do you kind of market yourself to people for your service? I, I didn't I didn't know about roofing either to that aspect, even when I was installing it and doing everything else and building houses and construction while I was on the road playing music and all of that. I never thought, like I told Dwayne, who needs a roof? That's a 50-year roof. They last 50 years, you know? Because most people usually move or change or rent or whatever, and you're, you know, if it's leaking somebody else's problem or you don't think about it. I just started approaching it, showing the value of your roof to homeowners when I, when I get out there, like yearly inspections. And why yearly inspections? Well, you go to the doctor once a year for a physical to catch stuff early, right? Yes. 
it, the, the same thing with your roof. If you if I catch it early, it can be a small repair, you know, two, three, four, five hundred dollar repair on a you know ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar roof. Or I can get out there seven years or nine years or twelve years later after you've moved there, never had looked at, it and go, you know, if you'd call me five years ago, we'd probably not another ten out of it. But she's dead, she gone. So okay. it's the value. And by the way, that roof, well, in today's dollars, is about four to five dollars per square foot, right? What's the average price in Nashville per square foot of homes? What two fifty? Say three hundred dollars. Maybe it's yeah. two hundred, but two to three hundred bucks, right? Three hundred bucks. Only four dollars is that is your roof, four to five, depending on what style of roof. But the average is four to five, and you still have another what two hundred and ninety six dollars of stuff that wouldn't be there without a roof. So really, four to five dollars is protecting two hundred ninety six dollars. So the way I market it is remind people like they're air conditioners. It's great to get your AC looked at in the spring and then the wind in the fall for the winter. You know, make sure the heat pumps work and all that good stuff. But you call people to come out and do that, and there's nothing wrong with it, right? And they charge you an inspection fee to come tell you, oh, your AC's great, $199. And that's fine. That's, that's, that's a part of the business model they got. We do complimentary inspections. It's not free. It's costing me time and money, but I'm giving it to the homeowner. I mean, you got to put skin in the game to win something, right? You can't go to Vegas and, and win something without putting something on the table. And, and plus, it gives you more ownership of wanting to earn their business, not just expecting it, because you've got money in it now. So you, you're, you know, you're part owner of this deal already, and nothing's even happened. And so I'll remind them that three biggest things on your home is the foundation, and that's a given because without foundation, you're not standing on anything, and then the AC and the house and the roof. That's the two biggest items on the house. On, on individual purchases, unless you're remodeling the kitchen or whatever. Yeah. You can live without one of them. One of them, if it goes out, you can open up windows or start a fire if you got a fireplace in the winter, and everything in the house will be just fine for a long time. Might get a little dusty and, you know, maybe maybe a little bit of whatever growing around if you don't keep the moisture out too much. But, but keep, it's manageable. But it's manageable. It, six months, it's still there. The other one goes away called your roof, and it's gone in three to five days, everything you own. You can't get a mortgage without a roof. It's only four walls. It's not even considered a building without a roof. And I'll end it here. The first structure in the world man got under, cave, tree, lean-to, whatever, he got under something to protect him from the elements. It's called a roof. So they didn't start with AC. They didn't start with running water. They didn't start with, you know, a lot of different things. They started with a roof to cover their head, whatever they had. So that's the importance is what I try to get out to, to clients, to people in general, is that kind of significance that we're not, we're not trained growing up. It's like, it's like economics. They don't teach us how to balance checkbooks, or at least when I was in school. I mean, they, they went over it one day, and then, you know, that's what they should have been focused on is serious stuff. You know, two and two is four. Yeah, you got to know that. But balancing checkbook is important, and being able to manage your biggest investment is important. Because most people, in my opinion, I may be wrong on this, but I've said it from day one, most people's biggest investment in their life of wealth is their home. You know, there's 401s, there's some people invest, they da-da-da-da-da, yeah. but a large, large, more of a majority don't, don't, don't have a 401. You know, don't have any investments. They're, you know, they do have the biggest investment, their house. And that's what creates wealth. Money in the bank doesn't create wealth. Things that appreciate develop wealth. And that's your home. Home value appreciates. Money in the bank, unless they're paying you high interest, it's actually deflating because the interest isn't even catching up with inflation going on. So really, the worst place you can have your money, and I, this isn't financial advice, nor do I give it, but if you just do the plain math like they taught you in third grade, you're losing money keeping it in the bank. That's why a lot of successful, professional millionaires, billionaires, and thousandaires, whatever, use their money. Put it out and put it into something like land, like homes, like whatever, that will appreciate in value at a higher rate than inflation. That's the secret of the game that's taken me 49 years to figure out, probably in the last six months. But 
that's the that's the deal. So you you mentioned like um, like schools don't necessarily teach economics balancing checkbooks, and yet you've became you still are a debt free company. Mm-hmm. So how did you kind of learn as far as balancing your money while building your business? Uh, some is luck. Some is from the past I told you about earlier of the different things I've done and started and learned the not a, see it's not a failure. You ever you look back and say oh, you failed at that? No, I didn't. I learned how to watch my money or how to make sure I grow at a at a steady pace that the the cart doesn't outrun the horses and get trampled. Now, I've had them on my heels at times, but but sometimes it's just to be. It, it's not that I've never grown up a lot of money, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've I, I had food on the table and, and a and a roof over my head, and you know, parents and all that good stuff. But I never had to manage anything, so anything I had, I always knew what it was, and it was in my pocket. <laughs> so you you just take that same philosophy. When your pocket starts getting shallow, you need to fill it back up. And you know, there's a warning sign when you're getting down to your last dollars. And unless I dream this, I still believe, and I, I, as much as I'm sitting here, I remember my grandfather saying one time, when you're down to your last dollar, buy some food with it, eat, so you can go make another. Oh, I like that. And that, that's pretty slick. And, you know, first you're like, ah, what, whatever, whatever. But you, I've been down to the last dollar before. You know, I was 20. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was 30. You know, I was even 40. And, you know, I've been down, been down scraping at points. But... And still scraping for that fact, just because you you know you you got a successful business and you're making money doesn't mean you're not spending more than you make sometimes, right? Yeah, that's the you know, old adage: uh, the more money you make, the more you'll spend. But and that's true. That's very true. It's almost proportional. If you've got a dollar and you're going to spend fifty cents of it, you make a hundred thousand dollars, you're going to spend fifty grand of it, or probably seventy five because you now you got more than what you used to. You see what I mean? It, yeah. it, it seems more in Old Dave Ramsey, when you swap your card, it don't bother you. When you rip it out of your pocket and have to count it out, it bothers you. Swapping for ten thousand dollars, that hurts. Counting out ten thousand dollars out of your pocket hurts worse. And it's, it's the a same slower, difference. It's a slower cut. It's a slower cut, but it yes, it, that's exactly what it is. That's a good point because it's real. Then swapping a card didn't much doesn't feel real, but when you Pull out that ten hundred dollar bills in your pocket, and or, you're looking at it, and you know that's it's not going back in your pocket. It's real. Yeah, it's not just zeros and ones passing around anymore. It's paper, you know. And so, anyways, that's the that's how I do it in, in a weird way. That's and 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 fire and assess. You know, every now and then you got to take a chance, and and you have to sometimes. I like to where I used to be reactionary, be proactive now. In other words, oh, I need that. Oh, go get it. You know. Now I'm like, hey, I'm gonna probably need this. Am I ready for it? You know. Let me look at this. Let me. Can I spend ten grand to go get this piece of equipment and be able to take that absorb that ten grand from the company until that piece of equipment is produced the ten grand back in plus, you know, because it should pay for itself. And that's a hard judgment. Sometimes it's a stick. You you know, lick your finger and stick it up in there and see which way the wind's blowing and flip a coin. You know, that's it, some people go. You can't do that. Well, no, you. Yeah, it, it hurts sometimes. But you also, I don't do that on big, big, big deals. You know, hundred dollars. That's still money. If you go buy something's one thing. Ten thousand, twenty thousand, fifty thousand is a whole different story. Yeah, because I can recover from a hundred dollars. It's hard to recover from those fifty and hundred and whatever thousand dollar hits. That's that's where my company's where it used to be easier. Now it's harder because your liabilities more. Uh, things cost more. I mean, my general liability was, I don't know, like $1,800 my first year. Now it's over 40. Yikes. Yeah. And there's really not any more margin in there to make that difference up. In in my opinion, there'd be some businessman that's like, well, you're paying your employees too much. This, well, that's different. You know, I, I pay my people very well. They do a good job. So I don't have to. Otherwise, if I have to do the job, I'm going to pay myself that money. That's that's the secret that I've had to actually learn more and more. I wear multiple hats, and each one of my hats is its own degree in itself. You know, CPA. I you know I take care of my QuickBooks. I have people that do it, but I have to manage it and watch them, right? You know, because I always okay. double check. And that's the other thing I've never done in my business. I've never I write all the checks, pass out all the money. I get the reports to me of what payroll is, and you know, here's their commissions and X, Y, and Z. But no one touches my bank account but me. And, only, and it's not because I'm greedy and, oh, I'm hiding and I'm not telling. No, 
Because at the end of the week, the only person I can complain to is in the mirror if my check doesn't cash. I can't go, Kevin, where's my money? I've been here all week, 40 hours, where's my yeah. money? Who am I going to tell? I'm just going to have to go look in the mirror and go, where's my money, dummy? <laughs> you, know? you shouldn't have bought yeah. that $50,000 or whatever. And does it. you make it like you make basically writing out all the checks and have, is it kind of like you think personally makes you better with money? It keeps me in the loop. Is the way I said. Yes, it does. It's it's. But here's the deal with money. I, I've learned because we did 4.9 million last year. Okay, sounds like a lot of money. It's a lot of money. More money than I've ever made in my life. Not made, but produced. Didn't make 4.9. That's what we sold. And that it's just like 49 dollars out of a hundred. You just add more zeros to it. You got to look away from the zeros, meaning. Because it, it gets laughable. I mean, when I started my company, my credit was at zero because I hadn't had credit in 15 years because I was a broke musician and my credit was shot well back in 1991. And so I became a cash guy, cash only. I'm like, I'm never borrowing money again. I'm never, you know, I, that, that was one of the biggest things that helped me looking back suck then was I didn't go bankrupt. I just outlasted them by the grace of God, <laughs> you know, that, but I, I got myself head over heels. And, and crumbled to the point that, you know, no more credit cards and I don't have any money to pay you. Try to find me, you know, type deal. I paid my credit karma, not not the not the uh, <laughs> thing, but the karma from doing that over the last years, I promise you. But I, I didn't know what else to do, right? And to, to all of a sudden now, knowing what that's like, I pay more attention to what's going out and not let, not let myself get ahead of myself the best I can, you know, that's, it's, uh, it's again, luck's better than skill. Sometimes I'm a little skilled in some areas, but some of it, you just got to do it. There's no, there's not a class you can go to that'll teach you. All those seminars they can tell you. And my, I mean, my grandfather owned a business. My dad owned a business. I, no one ever told me all this stuff. And it's not that I didn't see it, but some stuff you just got to figure it out. They can tell you, Hey Kevin, you go over there. It's going to be blah, blah, blah. You're like, I got it. I got it. You go over there. It's blah, 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 but with a bling, 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 because now it's from your perspective, and it's, yeah. you, you don't know it till you do it. It's experience. Now, like when you started, how did you go about like pricing your services? Well, a lot of it was the, from the history where I was at. You know, I'd been there for five years, so I knew the market. You know, I knew what the average material costs are, the average labor price is, because when I'm estimating, I have to put it in there when I'm doing my estimate. So I already had a good feel of the industry. I mean, and nowadays, and there was, of course, computers then. This isn't in 1800. This was 20, uh, 2011, 2012. But you can go on, like even on Facebook, there's roofing forums. There's, there's all kind of research now for your area. You can generally find out a rule of thumb, right? Like I said, it's 4 to $5 a square foot on average. To me, is the market value here for standard architectural shingle, Okay. Some people may charge seven. Some people may charge two. And people will tell you seven's greedy and two is killing everybody, is undercutting the market because that's not market value. You know, you see MSRP on a car. It says 60 grand now or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But they'll sell it to you for 50. But then you got Bobby over here selling the same car for 20. That's undercutting the market because the value of it is 60. That's the, the retail sticker price. But at the same point in time, there is a little bit of deals. That's why I say four to five. Sometimes when it should be five bucks a foot, oh my God, that's high. Let's see if we can't avoid a little bit. We still got to stay in business. Let's do it for, you know, X hundred, you know, 475 a foot. We'll say 25 cents a foot, which on, you know, 10,000 square feet, that's money, you know? So things like that. It's just, you got to sometimes, I mean, I've always talked to you, you know, from doing the show of going, yeah, I would have. How do you get this and what do they pay and how do they pay? And you're like, I don't, you know, sometimes you, you know, you don't even know. You're like, I don't know. And I'm like, I don't either. How do I, how do I value what I do, you know, doing the radio show? You know, I, I'm, you know, I pay for that service, but yeah. at the same point in time, the only way I can justify that is by seeing the return on it, which there is. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. That's how you determine how to spend your money. That was a gamble. Do you want to spend X thousands of dollars a year, you know, 35 to 55 to 100,000 dollars a year? And hope you get something back. And I found out pretty quick that it was worth it. 
you know, I did my quick math. Okay, if I'm going to spend 30 grand a year or 50 grand a year to do this show, that means I've got to at least make, not sell 50 grand. I've at least got to probably, I don't know the math off the top of my head, uh, sell five, $600,000 to get my 50 grand back. Well, $500,000 would be 10% in the end. So when they say most companies, if you land between six and eight to 10% pre-tax at the end of the day, you're killing it. Now I'll tell you that 10 is a pretty rough number. <laughs> pretty, it's, a, it's a hard goal to hit. The six, seven, five, four, whatever that's, that, unless you're slave driving, as I say, I've had some business owners go, you know, I try to pay them the least I can to get the most work out of them. I can stretch my dollar as far as I can. I'm like, well, that sort of sucks. You know, that's why you have crappy employees and they're not crappy employees. They hate their job because they're not appreciated. Now, if you're not doing your job, you fire them, right? Or you, yeah. you remove them. But if somebody's doing their job, their ability, why aren't they getting paid? And it's not a women-men thing either. This isn't a man-woman, you know, somebody's making less than, she's making less than him or him making less than her. This is the quality of the job you're doing, and there's a baseline for it, right? The average job in the roofing industry as salesman, if you're not making 75 grand, you shouldn't even be here, Okay. Because it's not worth it. You're spending more. You're spending more of your wheels than you could be making fifty doing something else. Maybe in the end, making more money, or yeah. or something else, making more money. So you got to. That's a complicated question. Again, that's that, that could be a two or three day answer. And let me give you ninety scenarios, right? Okay. So you went terrestrial radio as far as promoting your company, whereas companies today they would use social media online. Yeah. So. Yeah. What made you go that route? Two things. The, the, my, in my previous life, I was privy to information and privy to that station, right? I knew about it, and I saw the return. Not returns, but I, I saw the quality of the calls coming from that investment, if you will, or that marketing. And in roofing, it's like I tell people all the time, I can't do every roof out here. There's you know probably 1.5 million homes in a two-hour circle, you know, where we're sitting, or at least from Nashville. Maybe more than that, I don't know. But I can tell you, I can't do them all. I don't want them all. <laughs> and you got to find your niche. To me, the problem with the companies that, that sell a lot, make a lot of money, but don't do good work, they don't know what their wheelhouse is. Stick to what you do. Do it very well, you'll be profitable, and you won't work a hundred hours a day, right? And and I'm not going to name companies, but there are companies that'll start off in X, then all of a sudden, since they're already let's say at the house, you know, they're already at your house. Well, we can do this too, and that too, and that too, and that too, and then, you know, then next thing you know, the list is ninety long. When in reality, they were very good at that first thing, and everything else sort of ancillary, and the hundred percent completion successful rate starts going down exponentially the far longer that list gets okay. because they're you can't be the best at everything i mean really i mean don't get me wrong you can be an Elon musk anything you touch do it that because he's getting the best people around them and paying them the highest dollar they could ever imagine to do their job very well or you get someone else in there well you can't do that as a normal company you don't have that kind of liquid liquidity Unless you've borrowed money, and I don't borrow money. I borrowed money when I was young and stupid. Now I borrowed money on the house, right? That's yeah. sound investment, but that's building me wealth. I can sell it more than what I paid for it already, right? Even more than I put in, I'll get back right now just in the last two years. So, and and that that's wealth. I mean, that, there's your money. My money's earning, well, in this market around here, 30% a year. Or Lord, Lord knows what it is, actually. Somebody bought a bought. I bought my house in in Nashville, the one I have in Nashville, my office, um, for a little under two hundred thousand in twenty sixteen. I can sell it close to four right now. Oh, so you do the math. I don't know what now. That's again the the market here is hot. You know, you know Nashville. You you see it's insane. Oh yeah. But my point is, normally it takes twenty years to generate that kind of doubling your money. <laughs> you know, most people didn't pay. A hundred thousand dollars for a house back in 1976, and sell it for 400 in 1980. You know, it took them to probably 1990 or 1995, 15, 20 years to get that kind of return, not four. 
that's just being in the right place, right time and getting a deal when I got it. But I guess the what I'm getting at though is it's, it's a rabbit race. It, it, I just, I stick to what I do and, and until I have somebody at my company that knows more than I do about something outside of what we already do, I don't do it. All right. That's, uh, that's, uh, we're recently getting into renovations. When I say renovations, it's actually doing small kitchens, small bathrooms. Again, I grew up on a farm. I can, I can redo a bathroom. It might not be right, but it won't leak. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy I brought in has done everything under the sun and been doing that for 15 years. He can tell you wherever nail goes and what order they go in X, Y, Z, and all the way through the alphabet in order. Well, why wouldn't I do that now? Right? So I ain't got to know it all. I've got to know what's my cost, what's our margin, what are we making, how long is it taking, what resources is it pulling from A, B, and C. But I don't know, have to know how to build the watch. I just got to know when we're done with it, it tells time. He's the watch builder. Then I'm paying good money to go build that watch, estimate that watch, sell it to you, or man, get it to what you're asking. Because we don't sell things to people that they didn't ask for unless they were unaware of A, B, and C on this. Oh, by the way, we do roofing systems. I don't all our cart anything. This is what typically goes into the system. If you've got something else you want, well, that's wants. So there's needs and wants, right? Everybody, everybody wants a million dollars. Not everybody <laughs> needs a million dollars, right? You, you don't. Uh, every, everybody wants air, but you need air. You know what I mean? Definitely. So there's a difference between needs and wants, you know. It's, and wants can be just what they are. I want it but you don't need it. So again, it goes back to the quality of people you bring into your circle and your business. And I always say, if I'm the smartest one in the room, I'm in the wrong room. You know, I'm, I'm pretty smart on some levels. I'll be the smartest at one point in the room on something, hopefully, <laughs> or if not, even better, I'm asking questions because I realize I'm not. And so that's, I, I, I guess, and it's, it's just, you got me thinking on this. I didn't, I didn't see this going this way on this, this, this interview, <laughs> but it's, but it's good that it, it really, I grew up with older brothers and older cousins. When I was seven, eight and nine, they were 16 to 21. I saw what not to do. I saw what worked and what didn't work. And even if you wanted to do it and did do it, you at least knew one of the outcomes. So I had one more weapon than they did when they did it. I knew if you do X <sighs> and it goes to Y, you're getting slapped with Z, right? Well, I That's what sucks X. being your oldest. Yeah, You make all the mistakes and the, guinea, the other ones learn from. The, the Where guinea, the guinea pigs? pigs. The guinea pigs. Why do you see deer will send out the young buck, the big bucks, they'll travel together, but then he'll push that young buck out in the field first, and he'll be standing back in the back watching. And then when <laughs> nothing happens to little man after a while, uh, he might come on out and do his thing. But if little man gets popped... <laughs> No, old big boy just going to turn around and go, yep, what I thought. Now ain't going that way. Now ain't going that way. Because he's had the experience and either about got popped or something else has made him come to that conclusion. Otherwise, he probably got pushed out before like that too. So see, it's it's learning. It's a, You're a sum of your totals of, of what got you here so far. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this one, one last part. I was telling my wife, Kim, one night. I was sitting there, and this was, I don't know, 2019 maybe, 2018, 2019. I was like, you know, I've, you know, this is, I never saw roofing sales as a job, right? And then I came out of my master's and da-da-da and, and, and went to uh, work and was a duck in water and making more money than I'd made in, my, in the first 41 years of my life. And that's from zero to, you know, from the beginning. That it, then I was like, hey, go, who knew? If I'd known this, you know, 15 years ago, I'd been doing this, you know, instead of all this other stuff. Well, she very eloquent, eloquent, I can't say it. Eloquently? Yes. I I tried to say it the other day and it's getting me. Said, you weren't ready. I was like, hmm. Now, you're not going to tell that to a 21-year-old. You can tell it to him, but it's not going to stick on most. But on a 47, 48-year-old at the time, I was like, you're right. I wouldn't have been ready. It took all my experiences of the good, the bad, and the ugly to get here that, that to make me successful at what I did. That's why almost now, you know, you always hear you can't con a con. The reason you can't con a con is because he's been conning longer than you. So he already knows oh, the yeah. game. He already knows the game. Same with, same with business. You can't learn something until you did it and either succeeded or, i.e., failed, which is 
not failing unless you didn't learn something from it. At least one thing. Yeah, the business failed. Yes, it went under, blah, blah, blah. But would you learn from it? That's why I hate some of this new psychology or whatever you want to call it that these kids are being taught. And it's it's not a racist thing. It's not a it's not anything. It's kids have to fail. You have to, you you do not succeed without failure. The, the 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 equation has to balance itself. And it shows you how bad you want something. That too. Yeah, we, you got to want it, and then and then it's even more important if you need it. Then then you you're more apt to survive even better because you asked me, well, how do you da 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 earlier and this and that? And I was like, well, I had to. There was there wasn't another option at that at that place in time. If I wasn't out selling a roof or doing a job to bring money into the company, me and Rick weren't getting paid that week or the week after. So as I as I lose my in ears wherever they just went to. <laughs> oh, but no, you're good. But that's my point though, is it I needed it. What it wasn't an option. And so had it been another way around, meaning I just wanted to be a roofing company owner or work business owner and whatever, and like you said, I don't know if I'd been hungry enough because hunger does dictate a lot. You know, it's amazing what a hungry man will do and what a fool man will do. So let's say if you started your business at say maybe twenty one, twenty two, you think you'd have kind of been as successful at it? Well. That's a hard hypothetical, but I'll tell you, knowing myself at 21 and 22, what I was doing at that point, which was getting in, was the, I was just leaving college probably about that time, about year number three, and we were starting to do about 100-something to almost 200 shows a year playing music that uh, I'm not playing. Well, I mean, I do play music, but I'm not making my career out of music now. So did, did I succeed or fail at that? You know, because by, by that question, and it's a great question, I should now be a multi-platinum artist, right? Yeah. Because I, I, I know the industry. I've learned it. I've, I've been beaten down from it, and I've had great times in it. But it taught me a lot about everything else I'm doing right now, and I didn't even know it then. It's like going, going to another one, you know, kindergarten to 12th grade again, and you don't even know you're doing it. Because by the time you get that 12th year or that 12th grade, whether it's 15 years, 20 years later, you've learned something along that, along that travel. And it's just whether or not you want to apply it to your normal life or not. I think that's interesting. Like people wouldn't equate learning like something that would be in the music business and equate it into a roofing industry. Well, I can tell you how easy because I'll tell you why it's easy because it, it's with every job. I can put rocket scientists to virologists to whatever in the same boat that um, you're always selling. You're always selling yourself to start with. You're selling yourself every day. You're in sales every single moment of every day you're around somebody else, even inside your own head. You have to convince yourself to do something or not convince yourself to not do something or vice versa, whichever, always reverse that stuff. But my point is you're always selling, and in the music industry in particular, everybody you're talking to, you're trying to sell your music to. Everybody's a potential client here, right? It doesn't matter race, creed, gender, it doesn't matter. Do you want, hey, $5, you want this? Let me give you a CD here, take one, and I'll give you five more, go sell that, you know, 50 bucks, you know, whatever. So you're always selling. You're always trying to stand out to the point that you can get somebody's attention, get somebody's ear. Well, it's no different than anything else. You just got to, you got to spin that wheel around and get on that new spoke and go up the center, the opposite direction, meaning people head to the center of the wheel all the time from different directions. Some's a good way. Some's a great way. Some's you're going to get to the center, but it's going to be a lot longer before you get there, right? So I, I always say that you're always selling something. You're always trying to get there. And when I can find that I know this spoke going to the center didn't work this way, I'm going to go around the wheel about 180 degrees or 90 degrees and try that way. You know, it's there's always a way or there isn't, you know, then you figure out something else. Okay. Mm. So, like, um, Nashville, basically, in the last few years, has gone through like a boom. So who would you say the boom of Nashville has kind of aided in the growth of your company? Yes and yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, yes on the part that the, the growth of Nashville is not from mainly Tennesseans, right? It's not people coming from Murfreesboro moving to Nashville. It's not people, and there are, but I'm saying the large majority are coming from out of state. 
So your typical, I forget the word you use, but household names of roofing companies around here, around Nashville, that everybody's known for the last 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, whatever, can't handle all the business that's coming to town. They just can't do it. Like I said, there's no one in town that can do everybody's roof in a year. (laughs) No way. There's absolutely no way. Oh, put it this way. In 2012 storm, there was 60,000 structures damaged from uh, about Dixon to about Hermitage. 60,000. Last year, and we did, like I said, 4.9 last year. I think we did 400 and something roofs. I don't have it off the top. It was between four and 500 roofs. I just said 60,000 roofs were damaged. Now, we probably did 2,000 repairs or 3,000 repairs. We usually do three to one, about close to 2,000 repairs, about three to one for every roof replaced. We're usually repairing about three. I love repairs if it's repairable. But my point is, is that 60,000, yeah, it's like that old, I forget the Robin Williams where he was in Moscow movie where they opened a McDonald's and someone walked up and said, I'll have a Big Mac. He said, come back three weeks, we have it. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And because that was the thing. Well, here, if there's 60,000 roofs and I'm on the roofer in town or even 10 roofers in town, was that or six roofers? That'd be ten thousand roofs. So no, it can't do it. That's why. That's why a lot of outturns come in. So, what's bringing the growth? Or would I would I have been successful? Yes, and I, yes, I believe I would. Because again, there's still always an opportunity in the market, no matter the, what the market is. You just got to do it better than the other guy, or show that you can. And I found at RTM, we don't negotiate on the roofing system. Right. The only difference in in my I have a, like three tier systems. You know, you always hear the good, better, best. Well, it's not good, better, best. It's best, best, best. I just got to find out which one's best for you after I get ask you a few questions because I know what you want. But now let me find. I'm gonna tell you what you need, and then we'll meet in the middle. Because you'll. But the only way we're meeting in the middle really on this part because I'm already giving you everything that you're wanting as far as the internal operating guts of the roofing system. I don't waver on that. We do synthetic underlayment. I don't do felt anymore. You can lay a piece of synthetic right here, pour water on it. It'll evaporate before it goes through it. Now, you end up nailing it and all this other stuff. But my point is it's a better quality and will not tear than felt. So it's safety for my guys. I will not negotiate on safety. And it's not that much more of a cost. On a $10,000 roof, okay, you'd have got it with felt for maybe $9,400. 600 bucks on 10000 to me, that's a non-negotiable. That that should be a given. Meaning, if the performance of that product equates to the the, the overall deal, right? Drip edge, it's five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks on a ten, fifteen thousand dollar roof. Now, if it was six, seven, eight more thousand for it, well, now we got to see if you really need it. We know you want it. Everybody wants a Ferrari, but why are you going to spend that money if you can only drive it twenty mile an hour or fifty-five miles an hour? You can't, you know, tack it up to one fifty or whatever down a track or something. It's crazy. I always say, well, it's not crazy, but it's, it, you know, I always joke, if you got more money than sense, you know, and enough time, enough money, we do whatever we want. You know, we'll get you whatever you want. You want a waterfall to come through your house and go out your roof? Well, give us some time. You, you got the budget? <laughs> you know, about $6 million, we'll do it. Yeah, but do you really need it? No, I don't need it. I got enough money. Okay, well, then fine. You get what you want. But... If you don't have $6 million, and that's a crazy number that's throwing out there, then it's not going to happen because you don't truly need it. It's a want. Now, I guess that, if that makes any sense. And I guess it kind of helps kind of, like shows, like, I guess, good business because business, you're not just trying to take money from, from a customer. You're just giving mm-hmm. them pretty much what they need. I, I, yes. Well, what they wanted but let's see, how can I say this? Okay, here, here's, here's an example. A guy comes up to a car lot, and you're the, roof, you're the car salesman. You come out, you just, you know, new, used, doesn't matter. I walk on the lot, and I walk up to this car, and you come up, and, hey, how you doing? I'm like, hey, I'm, how, how much for this one? Well, the crazy answer initially is, oh, it's $19.99, or whatever it may be. You're like, ah, you know, if I was thinking I've only got $19.98, I'm going to spend on anything, negotiating's over. I'm out. Because you've already, you've already busted the bubble on everything right there. A good salesman is going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not sure that's the car you need yet. Let, let me find out what you're really needing. And then we'll see. Then we'll get to there. Because, again, if I tell you it's $1 higher, 
than what you were expecting to spend. And it's not saying you won't spend more, but you'll spend more because I tell you why you need this versus that based off what you told me. And with roofing, I've already got the car pre-built. We're just picking the color or the style, right? Uh-huh. That's the only price difference is mine. If I give you three options, I call it a Ford Mustang, I call it a Mercedes or Lexus, whatever your next mid-high grade car is. Then I got my Ferraris and Lamborghinis and all that and the designers. Well, again, let me figure out what you want. If I'm in Bell Mead, well, they don't like Ford Mustangs, you're just saying. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't like Lexus IS350s that are $70,000. They want the Bugatti. They want the Lamborghini. Well, fair enough. It's, it's not only a want, but they need that. Because some neighborhoods, it, it is what it is. But in other areas, again, I'll go back to my client. Oh, I'm looking at that Ferrari style. I'm like, well, your roof's so tall and low slope, you can't even see your shingle. And really a lot of that, there is some more protection to certain levels of the Ferraris, right? That there is in roofing. There's a, a certain ones, it's not just the look. But mainly it's the look for 60% of them. You know, you're getting a different look than your standard slate or shake look. That's the only looks of a roof, other than designers. It looks like slate, traditional old slate that you see on colleges down here. It's been here a hundred years. That you know, slate, or it's wood shake. The old wooden. You see those wooden roofs, the the wooden cedar shakes. Yeah, that's the only two looks of roof and siding. You don't get to a lot of other different crazy looks. You probably can when you find that special one, but you're gonna bleed out the nose for it. And anyways, where I'm going though is. Uh, when I'm talking to you, I'll ask you X, Y, and Z. You know what? You know why? Number one, why do you think you need a new roof? I need a new roof. Why? I mean, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know yet. I'll get up there and tell you if you do for sure, or if you don't. But why do you think? Well, I'm seeing that black streaking up there. Okay, that's dark organic matter, blue green algae. Well, I'll be dead before it eats through your shingle unless it's green or some other different colors, and it's aesthetic. Okay, well, if you, don't, if you don't like that, if that's your biggest crucial point, well, I've got a product called Atlas Chalet. Not Atlas Chalet, sorry, that was an old brand that they discontinued. Uh, Atlas Pinnacle, that's backed by 3M. 3M owns the warranty that it will never stain because they figured out the magic number of copper granules put on it, which is what are in shingle granules. There's a certain percentage of copper because it kills all bacteria or kills all organic matter. And... Well, that's why copper turns from shiny to that dark bronze and patinas. It's the dead organic matter landing on it. <laughs> it's the buildup of organic matter. But, okay. uh, but where, I'm, where I'm going though is, is that's the question I'm asking. Well, I'm not worried about the black. That's you know that's on that far side. We never see it anyhow. And da da da. You know, right? Well, then then I'll ask. Uh, well, here's the, my performance architectural. That if you're not worried about that, I go here. And I stay there until either A, B, or C, or D, something, whatever, changes the trajectory, mainly color at that point, because it's my Mercedes package. You're getting priced at a Ford Mustang, B6 manual. Yeah. So I'm one of the largest resellers of it or re-roofers of it here in the mid-state, so I get a better deal on it. And I'm actually supposed to be making more money than I am because I get the same I get the Ford Mustang, I get the Lexus at the same price as the Ford Mustang. So I'm supposed to charge two to three grand more for the, the Lexus, but I don't have to. And I'll put them at the same price. Here's A or B. Well, why are they the same price? Well, I'll look at your cars and you have a Nissan Murano and a, I don't know, a Mercedes SUV. You open up the Murano, it's and you open up the uh, Mercedes, go What was the difference in that sound? What was the difference in those doors shutting? Both those cars are going to get 200,000 miles. Felicia just changed the oil and do your basic stuff to yeah. Which one are you going to ride easier in along the way? you got to remember, your roof is going to California and back every day. Every day for at least 18 to five, about 25 years average life around here of the architectural without a hell or high winds. So if you got to drive every day to California and back every single day, which one would you want to ride in? The Murano? There's nothing wrong with it. You'll get there and back. Or the Mercedes. It's got the... The, I don't, you know, whatever, the leather seats that warm you and cool you and fluff you and da 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 da, you know, I mean. Well, you're going to enjoy the ride, though. You're going to enjoy the ride a whole lot more. That's right. And that's, that's what I've got to find out with you, though, while I'm talking is how far are you driving every day? You know, we know the roof is, but are you going to be here for five years? 
They go, oh, no, no, I'm selling the house three years this market. I'm like, well, what if you don't? What if you're stuck here for the next 15? What if the market drops tomorrow? You still want to put that on your roof? You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. the, again that that's the that's the whole thing about talking to people and even and even dealing in business in general. That's what it's always about. Everybody wants that. How much for this? I want that. Well, hang on. Let's slow down. Let's see if you need it. You know, you ask me how I can do certain things in business. I've had to slow down and see if I need it. Oh, I want a lot of things. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'd, you know, I'm, I'd, whatever. I want to do nothing but deer hunt all the time. Never have to work again. But it ain't <laughs> gonna happen. Not yet, anyway. So my, my point is, it, it goes back to needs and wants, and you're always selling yourself. So if you believe in what you're doing, and you're honest with people, and you own it when you mess up, I mean, I mean, we've messed up, and hat in hand, go back, we're sorry, but we're going to fix it. We're here again, going to call us twice to come fix it. That gets you a lot farther, and that's where, and that's the value of what people are paying for, too. And what I mean by that is, materials are materials. I mean, okay, you're buying materials $5 less than I am. Big deal when we're talking about thousands of dollars of materials. Okay, you're, you're saving 500 bucks. Well, 500 bucks on 20 grand is not that much money in the big, big picture. $500 is a lot of money, but not on 20 grand it's not, right? So the, you know, I just, I, I, I keep spinning in my head of all these little different things, but I'm just going to go to the next question because I'll, I'll spin around and, and I'll, I'll take us where we're out here bass fishing in a minute. All right, like before I kind of wrap things up, is um, last year, you know, the pandemic kind of slowed down or, or completely halted a lot of businesses. Yep. But surprisingly, you were telling me that you were doing quite well last year. We did 35 to 45% more last year than we did in 19. Yes. So what was it about last year that kind of caused growth for you? Everybody's home looking up at their ceiling and seeing the brown spots and seeing the leaks. That's because they're normally there, what, minus sleeping, you know, four hours a day, minus sleeping. You know, you're there about an hour before you leave. And then when you get back, you're, you know, five, six o'clock, you eat dinner, you're in bed by 10, 11. If you're not, I'm talking about homeowners, not 20 year olds. (laughs) And, and, uh, that they were, they were, they were stuck home. They had no choice. They finally saw it and saw the need. Cause what's funny, people will call and, and, I'll go out there, and I can tell it's been leaking. You know, when I see a brown spot on your ceiling, I can tell if it's, you know, been doing it for a while or just started, right? And I've seen some that's been there for years. But now it's important for whatever reason. Can you get here now? I'm like, and I'll get up, okay, yeah, let's see what we can do. And I get out there, and I'm like, that's not, you, it's, there's a fall waterfall coming through your house that's been doing it for at least three years. But now it's important. Well, that got important to a lot of people being stuck at home. Now, because a lot of jobs are now going to be kind of stay at home. Mm-hmm. Do you think that will somewhat affect your business in the future? It can't because I can't inspect your roof from my desk. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I mean, sending me pictures, that that can work to an extent. But no, I, roofing is it, it, like any construction. You, people aren't going to be able to build homes from their house, meaning, you know, I, I got John over here, the carpenter, is not going to nail a nail from 50 miles away. He's going to, have to be on site working. So no, I don't. No, I don't see that. I, I see more innovations on how we do things with clients. From b- before in March, before the whole COVID lockdown or the beginning of the lockdown, is when I started brought in employees to my other pl- other property, and and uh, the irony was from 2015 to. Well, March of 2019, I guess it'd be, or March of 2020. I, the year's run, March of 2020. Hmm. We'd been mobile already. Everybody was a mobile worker. I mean, I had my house that I was living in at the time was the office, right? But we, no one showed up for work at the office. Everybody worked from home. Like the people that did my AR and AP and stuff, they could got a computer at your desk. Why you got to be here? I know if you're working or not. And, you know, I'm not a slave driver from eight to five. You ain't always got to be typing something, but just do your job. Get your job done during the day. I'm, I've always been a big believer. If if I can do eight hours of work in three, well, why shouldn't I be paid for eight hours of work if I've done it correctly? Right? That gives you time. That gives you freedom. That gives you your family time, you know, because, again, you can't take none of this with you. That's what cracks me up. Yeah, you can leave it for people, but then so be it. But, you can't take it with you. You got to spend a lot. People get lost in the minutia of work too much, and it's not that you don't. Yeah, it's it's just getting a little real philosophical, but 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 it's still true that 
people get horse blinders on when they come about thinking making money, in my opinion. They never have enough of it, right? They're always in a chase for money. They're always in a chase because once you get $10, now you want $20. Once you got $20, now you want $30. Well, then people say, well, when you see five, you got to, I'm like, listen, maybe true, maybe not, but fear has held back 100% of the people that let it rule them. Fear, and 90, I think it's 99.8% of fear is made up in your brain that never, ever comes true. Now, if you going to go into the ocean and think you're going to get eaten by a shark, well, there's a possibility you could be. But 99.8% of the time, it ain't going to happen. Right? Lightning storm out here, rainstorm. Yeah, odds are you get struck by lightning. But 99.8% of the times you're not. Not happening. Now you're on a metal building, stand up like a fool. Well, that's a different story. But I'm just saying, you you can't take it with you. And if you've ever made a dollar, you can make a dollar again. If you've ever made $10, you can you make $10 again. And there's a reason why you hear making the first million is the hardest or making the first 100,000 is the hardest. It's because once you've done it, now you know how to repeat it. Same job or not. Once you've done again, it's like we've talked about here. Once yeah. you've done it and learned it, you can repeat that. That's a, it's a scientific method. Be able to do something and repeat it, repeat it over and over and over and over. Anybody can. I can write a, my paper I did on my master's. You should be able to read that and do the same thing I did and get the same results within the standard deviation and margin of error and all that good stuff. Same thing, same thing in business. That's why people don't retire. I think they got to work to 70, and maybe they do for whatever their needs and wants are, right? But most people, it's the fear of not having enough of something that holds them back from everything. When in reality, it, it all could drop right now and be done. So, you know, I, I just, I've just, in my older age, I didn't think like this in my younger, younger years. I'm 49, but in my 20s, I wasn't thinking about this. You're invincible. But the older I've got, the more the value of, doing what I want to do becomes, meaning I want to spend time with my wife, my family, my friends. I want to go sit in a deer stand one day, you know, all day long. I want to go X, Y, and Z. I want to live life is what I'm getting at. Because life of just being a slave to the job, that's not a, not the end all be all, is just that. That's your life. And if you're good with it, then carry on. I just finally decided one day that after a good friend of mine passed, that if I'd have told him that he was going to pass that day, Five years before, and he could have already retired, and he could have, but he didn't because he was he had another expectation he was waiting on. So be it. But I promise you, by twenty five years ago, you're not going to be here on X date. He'd have changed his trajectory immediately. Immediately. What's the difference? You can leave here right now on the way home, get killed in a car crash. And what was that? I got to work another day instead of going and getting whatever you truly want to do. Because I think it was even John McAfee. I watched a video on him a while back that he goes, most people follow their brain, not their heart. And I was like, hmm, okay. Because your brain gets this logical craziness of everything, right? Now, I've got to have this. We want to do this. I want that. I want this. I want that. I'm, yeah, let's do this. You know, the brains and all that. Yeah. If you just follow your heart, the money really doesn't matter. You will survive. You got, like he said, you got half a brain, two hands. You'll figure it out. But that... You follow your heart. What's your heart need? Needs love. Needs kindness. Needs friendship. Needs a lot of things. Money's not one of them. Money's not even on the paper. So go back to what do you truly love and how do you get there? And to me, starting my company, sort of bringing it back because I know we're wrapping up, that I started out as a necessity doing it because, number one, I knew how. Number two, I had no choice now because I was on my own. But now I've turned it over to not it running me, but me running it and slowly getting back control of my life to the point that I'll not do what I want to do, but do what makes my heart happy. And if it's working 120 hours a week, then by George, I'm happy as a duck in water. But if it's working 120 hours a week, hating freaking life, I don't care how much you pay me. It ain't worth it. It really ain't worth it. 